Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. The beautiful, haunting melody you heard at the beginning of our program was sung by our Annunciation Parish Choir. It was from our Theosis CD, which of course you can obtain from us here at Light of the East. You've heard a lot about it. The choir was singing the hymn that is traditionally sung at this time in the Byzantine liturgical calendar on this Sunday. It starts on this Sunday. It is sung throughout the Lenten season, but it begins now on this Sunday of the prodigal son. In the Byzantine liturgical calendar, as we prepare for Lent, we have several Sundays that, well, they bring us into Lent. They warm us up into Lent. It's that bell curve that I talk about, that rising action to the climactic moment of Lent and then the falling action and resolution only to be repeated again, that beautiful bell curve rhythm. So as we ease into Lent, and we do have to ease into it because of the rigors of Lent, especially in the Eastern churches, a lot of very serious fasting and prayer. 
But as we ease into that, we have different themes, and today the theme is the prodigal son. And the hymn that you heard sung by our choir was really Psalm 136, by the waters of Babylon we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, alleluia. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, alleluia. For there they had taken us captive, required of us a song. And they that had carried us away required of us a hymn, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Alleluia. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Alleluia. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand be forgotten. Alleluia. And so on. Basically, it's the lament of the Jewish people who were in exile, and yet their captors wanted them to sing a song. They knew how they could sing their chant, their psalms. But the Jewish people replied, how can we possibly sing? We can't sing. Our hearts are broken. They're heavy now because we are in exile. So this is a song of exile, just like the prodigal son who went off into exile by his own choosing. So too, in the Byzantine liturgical calendar at this time, we use this psalm and this theme by the prodigal son to remind ourselves that we too are in exile. We are in exile in so much as we are not in heaven yet. We have not come to our final destiny. We have a taste of heaven on earth, but we have to choose to live the life of Christ that will ultimately win heaven for us in the next life. But until then, we are in exile. In fact, we have a very profound feeling of that in many aspects of our lives. We sometimes have a certain melancholy, or what the great Byzantine spiritual masters call it, a chidia. In other words, like a, almost like a, a mental or spiritual slothfulness. Ever feel like that? Ever get in just to like a funk? You just feel kind of punk in a funk, <laughs> where you just don't feel like doing anything. You don't know why you're down. You don't know what it is you're missing exactly, but you just know that something's kind of hollow. You just don't feel like doing anything. Nothing really helps you to perk up at the moment. And there are times when we are, in fact, very heartbroken, very sorrowful, very repentant, very forgiving, very downtrodden. We have all these moments of darkness, of heaviness, and we have a lot of these, let's face it. We always have a sense that there is something yet to come, something that's a bit unfulfilled. No matter how great a time we might be having, what we experience is always a little bit of a, well, of a, of a yearning or almost like a letdown. Like there's something more. Is that all there is? Remember that song from years ago? Is that all there is? There is a tinge of that in everything. And it's, well, no, that's not all that there is. But what there is for us is in the next life. So while we're here, we are in a kind of an exile. And we strive to make our way back. And that's what the Lenten season is about. We make our way back to our Father's house by the life of repentance, the life of thanksgiving the life of begging forgiveness, the life of choosing charity, of dying to ourselves, of getting rid of all the excess and opening ourselves to God, to the real and best version of ourselves, to what is necessary, not just what we want or what is excessive. This is how we make our way home. In the prayers that we say on this day, and again, this is a preparatory Sunday for Lent. We have a couple more coming up. This one, we pray beautiful prayers like this. And notice how they do this rather poetically, and it's a kind of a play on, well, on a, on a farmer. I have sown sin in a land of innocence and life and have harvested the ears of thoughtlessness. 
I have gathered my actions into bundles of sheaves, but I have not placed them on the threshing floor of repentance. And now I pray to O my God, for you are the pre-eternal tiller of our fields. With the breath of your loving kindness, winnow the grain of my actions. Feed my soul with your grace and forgiveness. Gather me into your heavenly granaries and save me. The liturgical texts also say this, and this is coming from the Matin service, the morning prayer service of our church. Having lost my right reason, I have followed the force of my passions, but deign to accept me, O Lord, as the prodigal son. If we look at this very short verse we just read now from the Matin service, it's actually very, very profound. And if you look back on the actual text, the story in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, we find that the prodigal son turns around. He turns back to his father's house as he remembers how it was in contrast to the life that he has chosen. And it says in most translations, it says that he came to his senses. It says, when he came to his senses, he thought to himself, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here am I dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. But actually, a more perfect and more insightful translation would be one that says, when he came to himself. Interesting, when he came to himself, just as liturgical text said, having lost my right reason. Again, because we are the prodigal son. It's not just the prodigal son in the story that lost his reason. It's us, because we are that prodigal son. We are everybody in the scriptures. Always remember that when we read the scriptures. We are everyone in the story. But having lost right reason, or as it says in the one translation, the more accurate one, having come back to himself, we have to remember that what's being said here is the truth about ourselves as human persons, that God created us in his image and likeness, that really our true self is the one that honors and stays connected with our Father's house. So to be in exile, to go away, to be separated from that is not only a loss of sense, it's a loss of right reason, it's a, it's a loss of our true self. In other words, when we sin, when we go against God's authority, God's fatherliness, the order of things, well, it's yes, it's sin, but it's sin in the sense that we are actually disengaging ourselves from ourself, from our real self. In other words, this is not our real self. The prodigal son, as we also do, went off and made a choice or made choices to be really something that was not truly himself. We are only truly ourselves when we are living conscious of, growing in the image and likeness of God. So we are in exile to the point we were on this earth, on this life, in this time after original sin. But this time has been redeemed by Jesus Christ, who now also is a prodigal son. He takes on that character of the prodigal son, coming back, having suffered, and coming back to his father, being faithful once again to his father's house. So the prodigal son is multi-layered here. It is Christ, it is us, it is the young man in the gospel. And we come back to our Father's house through repentance, through coming back to ourselves and turning back to that true image of ourself. But we need, we need the tools and the graces that come from prayer, fasting, dying to ourself, the asceticism, in other words, the self-discipline. 
all of which leads to charity, our true self. When we come back, we're going to talk more about being in exile. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at ByzantineCatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're, you're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. This is Bold Talk with Father Thomas Loyola. We live in strange times, full of contradictions, many of which we create and then force upon ourselves. An example. To hear the rest of this and other Bold Talks with Father Thomas Loya, visit TaborLife.org and go to the main menu and click subscribe. 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 Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. Before we continue looking at the prodigal son, I would like to acknowledge some people who are not prodigal, who are actually very much with us, very much still connected with us, unlike the prodigal son who disconnected. I want to thank for their very kind messages here, Craig and Patricia Wagner of Utica, Illinois. Thank you, Craig and Patricia. And also, Joseph Stokowski from North Liberty, Indiana. Received your very nice letter, Joseph. I know you said that we don't have to acknowledge you, but uh, you see you're being appropriately humble. (laughs) You're really getting into the correct spirituality of the Lenten season here already. So that's good. I can see that you, you are preparing. The preparatory Sundays are doing good for you. So thank you, Joseph, though. Thank you. Even though you're being humble, we want to thank you here at Light of the East for your kind letter. Joseph Stokowski from North Liberty, Indiana. Speaking of humility, I think that the one virtue that has gone most missing in our culture and our world today is the virtue of humility. And indeed, the themes that lead up to Lent, uh, Lent itself, is a tremendous immersion into the real meaning of humility, of humiliation. We're going to really humiliate ourselves. We're going to literally throw ourselves on the floor time and time again, face down, like the 
publican. Remember the story, the publican and the Pharisee? That was last Sunday. So these preparatory Sundays and Lent itself has a very strong theme. In fact, that's really the thread that weaves through the entire Lenten season, especially in the Byzantine church. It's that thread of humility. Now, I know we all use this word humility. Oh, we're supposed to be humble, or I'm not very humble, we might say. But I don't think we understand the depth of it, nor do we understand really why it is, at least I think, it has really gone missing. And that's an essential loss in our culture today. We live in a time when, let's face it, and oftentimes you hear this word, even from clinicians, you know, from the psychologists and psychiatrists. It's even a diagnosis of psychiatry, the condition of narcissism. It's also a spiritual one. It means to be so centered on self, not dying to self, but rather making it all about oneself, knowing only oneself, our feelings, how we think and feel, what must be on our terms. Humility is very much connected with a form of love that the Lenten season really is trying to bring us to. Remember, it's always love. Love is always the end game. We pray and we fast so that we can become more charitable. Now, the kind of love that I'm talking about is a love that is, and I'm going to use a key word, love that is deferential, to defer. As St. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians chapter 5, defer. He says this for married couples, but he says to defer to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does it mean to defer? Think of it as like bowing to the other person making it all about them, dying to self. Now, that's a tough one for us because we think we're going to get lost. We're going to end up being used and abused. What about me? I have to protect me. Yes, we have to have what's called boundaries, healthy boundaries, but that is not to be confused with being self-centered or narcissistic. Deferential love is a kind of love that we see modeled in the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, loving one another equally as equals, yet one God each one seeming to bow to the other, to defer to the other. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have, especially between married couples, as St. Paul reminds us. Husband and wife defer to one another out of reverence for Christ. We do that in a practical way by avoiding certain usages of words and phrases that are very, very common, especially in relationships like marital relationships. It will say oftentimes things like, you made me angry, or Because of this or that, I feel this way. In other words, I would feel better if you wouldn't do this. Or if you would start doing this, I would feel better. But I don't feel good. I feel upset or sad because of you or because of that circumstance or that group or whatever aspect of reality we point to. And we tend to blame that because we want that person or that group an organization, whatever aspect of reality, we want it on our terms. And that's the narcissistic part. And if it's not on our terms, then we blame it and we act like we're the victims of that. As though those people or that person or those situations are very deterministic, that they have the power to determine how we feel, how we will act. But really, we should replace words such as, you made me angry or you never do this, or you always do that, or every time I, or this happens every time. Think of shrinking those words down, because those words, they're like superlatives. They're they're, uh, almost hyperbolic. They're very, very large in their scope. They're, They're very grand, sort of grandiose. They encompass everything. They speak in 
either or terms and all or nothing terms. You always do this or you never do that. What we need to do is to shrink those words down and replace them with things like, whenever this happens, I feel this way, whether it's anger or sad or whatever. Whenever this happens or whenever you say this or this doesn't happen, I feel this. So that opens the question then almost to a discussion with the other person involved. Like, okay, why do I feel this? Let's talk about it. Let's look at it. Let's, in a sense, objectify what you're feeling. Put it out there like on a table, and we're all going to look at it and study it and say, okay, why would I feel this way when this or that happens or where this or that does not happen? And what you'll find out is that a lot of the feeling that we have, especially if it's a negative one like anger, really is connected to our pride. It's about us who make ourselves angry. In fact, the great Byzantine saint, St. Basil the Great, said, the reason why you get angry is because you think too highly of yourself. You think you can never be wrong. You think that nothing can ever go any way except the way that you want it to go. You don't want anyone to be any other way than what you would like them to be. And when they're not that way, we project our feeling onto them. We say that it's that person or that thing that has made me this way. That's connected to pride. In the Eastern churches, the seven deadly sins is actually eight. Pride comes at the bottom of the list. In the Western lung of the church, it comes at the top. A classic case of two lungs of the church arriving at the same point, but different ways. It's at the top of the list in the Western list of capital sins or deadly sins, because it is the mother of all sins. All sins are ultimately connected to pride. In the Eastern churches, we say the same thing, but that's why we put it at the end. We put it at the bottom of the list, because what we say is that if you can overcome, master the other vices, overcome the tyranny of the other fallen passions, there will always still be pride to be overcome. And that's why it's at the bottom of the list. So most of our anger is not righteous anger. There is a place for righteous anger, but it's a little bit different. You know something has righteousness to it, but it moves you to righteous action, to something positive, something that solves and redeems and heals, not just complains and gets angry or gets even. That's the difference between true righteous anger and the other anger that we have. And most of the anger we have is the other kind. It is not righteous anger. Although we feel righteous, we feel justified in being angry because it's what's in our head. We get a thought in our head that's really rooted in pride, and we think we are justified in being angry. Take road rage, for example. That's a classic. It's amazing how people can sustain road rage and how angry they get. And what's behind that? What's the thought process behind it? The thought process behind it is that I am so important. You know, my ego is so big, although we don't think of that at the moment, but that's what's happening, is that no one can wrong me. No one can dare cut me off. No one can dare drive in a way that somehow threatens me, even if they didn't mean to. So I will take vengeance on that person. I will teach them a lesson because I am justified, because I am angry. What we should do when it comes to things like that, like a road rage, is ask ourselves, well, maybe there's a reason why that person drove that way. Maybe they got some bad news over their cell phone. Maybe they're just having a terrible day. Maybe there's a great tragedy in their life. Maybe they just weren't thinking. They just didn't see me. We look for benign interpretations. That's humility. That's deferential love. We don't jump right away to the one that is indicting and accusative. 
The prodigal son and all the stories and all the themes leading up to Lent and during Lent in the Byzantine church, all are aimed at bringing us to a deeper and deeper humility. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Radio is it's training for the troops. It's a interaural of the ear boot camp. The folks who listen, who grow in their faith, grow in charity, grow in all the virtues, they then go out and exert an influence far beyond just themselves. Catholic radio has an exponential effect for bringing people deeper into the faith. Dr. Ray Garendi thinks Catholic radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!